Hey everyone, welcome to another iteration of our podcast series, The World of the Greeks and Romans. I'm John John. I'm Jack. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about creation stories. Uh, we're going to talk about the Theogony, the creation story from ancient Greece, a little bit of the creation story mentioned in Lucretius' The Nature of Things. And of course, we're going to be talking about Christianity's uh, version uh, in the Bible of the book of Genesis. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit how they compare, how they contrast, and, and link them together today. Um, so, beginning, we'll talk about Hesiod's Theogony, which was written about 700 BC, and then we'll later talk about the nature of things and Lucretius, who wrote that about between 155 BC. Um, we don't have exact dates on that, but that's where we think. And then we'll kick it over to the Bible. Yeah, the Bible was written, and uh, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, were written uh, roughly around 6th century BC. It's hard to get an exact number because of, you know history and all that. Right, so to, to kick it off, we'll talk about Hesiod's Theogony. Again, we said that was written about 700 B.C., we think, and it begins with complete chaos. And then two um, main characters kind of come to fruition, heaven and earth, who kind of derive everything. And Eros is kind of the passion behind that. He infuses heaven with kind of an insatiable desire for earth and um, just continues and continues to reproduce, creating more and more... Um, gods in that sense and then they are named the titans and the titans the most famous of them is chronos and he is the son that actually eventually will defeat heaven and castrate him and take over power um, along with the help of earth and then later the next generation of gods is called the olympian gods and as we know zeus becomes later the king of the olympian gods with the help of earth as he is able to defeat Kronos and consume or uh, take over the power there. Um, all of the above have been driven by Eros, this reprodu reproductive power, but Earth has been so critical in each of these situations. Earth obviously being the mother of things and then also being the brains behind each overthrow attempt and guiding the new leader uh, and then eventually um, placing Zeus into power at the top of Olympus. And then we go later, I guess skipping ahead a little bit, to Lucretius, who in the proem of his book, Nature of Things, talks about Venus. And Venus is the mother of Aeneas and also the mother of Rome. And he gives her credit with creating all things. And actually he says exactly that for every species comes to birth conceived through you. Yeah, in the Bible, uh, when you look at the first couple chapters of Genesis, the first book, um, it talks about uh, a pre-God earth, which is just a big, uh, dark, vacuum, watery void. It's uh, chaotic. It's, uh, it's just no place where humans could live or anything could prosper, very much like uh, Earth in the antiquity creation stories of Hesiod. And um, over six days, God begins to speak things into creation, starting with light, and then moving along to vegetation, land, and finally on the sixth day, he, be, he uh, creates humans in his image. Now, starting off with uh, humans is it's, God is... God makes humans in his own image, meaning that it, it, he gives the right to eminent domain over all of earth because it's uh, he, they're made in his image. And Jack, we kind of see here, again, we talk about earth and how important earth is in this and in the Christian um, 
interpretation, Earth is kind of under human control. Yeah. Control, humans are given domain over Earth. Yeah, Earth is the single most important thing in both stories, but it's constantly manipulated. It's, um, it's not, even though it is the mother of all living creatures, it's almost taken advantage of. And that's really interesting uh, to look at because it's constantly manipulated even to this day. And, you know, we're having, we're just starting to understand in the past mm, couple decades uh, the, you know, what can happen when we manipulate Earth enough and uh, destroy it. It's interesting we talk about how we view Earth today because it kind of links almost back to, for instance, the Greeks. They were talking about how Earth is so important. Earth playing a role in every single change of power and every decision that happened in the creation story. So they understood just how important Earth was. And it's kind of interesting maybe to think about how much they knew about what they were doing. Yeah, it's really cool to think about that. And, um, you know, when you talk about Earth in antiquity, you can look at things like uh, temples, which were made in these beautiful um, locations that are overlooked, something that is symbolic of the gods that they're worshiping. And, um, you know, and it's really interesting to, like, compare and contrast different uh, views on Earth, because in the creation stories of Hesiod, it starts in you know complete chaos, and through the power of the gods and the Titans, it is made uh, it is made possible to live there and prosper. And it's the same thing when uh, regarding the Bible is it was chaotic and it was a place of despair and uh, death until a greater omnipotent power came to be and made it uh, livable and usable for humans. Right, and we kind of see a difference here, actually, when, when the Roman interpretation, when Lucretius speaks on Venus, and he just talks about the beauty, and he is overwhelmingly impressed by how beautiful Earth is. He goes on and on and on for, for lines on lines on lines about how beautiful Earth is and all the things that go on, the birds, the fish, the uh, trees, the plants, the animals, uh, both domestic and wild, all kind of is owed to the beauty of Earth. Yeah, and you can see that uh, in the Bible as well with Adam and Eve. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve are very important. They're the first two people that are created, and uh, Adam, of course, made in God's image, and Eve made from the uh, rib bone of Adam. And when the when it starts out, you can you see the beauty of Earth. It's perfectly temperate, making clothes unnecessary. The fruit and the food is overflowing, making farming unnecessary as well. And it's it's truly like almost the perfect lifestyle just no worry no stress until a uh, until original sin of course with the serpent uh talks uh eve into taking a bite out of the apple the forbidden fruit and then she convinces adam to do the same thing and so they're expelled from eden and that's really really interesting to see that um the earth described this way as the earth can be the earth can provide for us as much as we need as long as we follow its rules. And I think when you dig deep into that, that's the root of Eden is as long as we respect the rules of nature, then we can prosper without anything, without any hesitation or, you know, negative impact. And it's not until our selfish desires come in that we end up losing the beauty that is earth. 
Actually, when you say that, Jack, it reminds me of another um, writings from the Roman era. This is not a creation story, but when Virgil writes the Georgics in about, um, again, the first century B.C., about 70 to 19, we think, mm -hmm. um, he mentions the Golden Age that Rome had been living in for a long time where everything was perfect, climate was perfect, uh, food was abundant, they never had to work. And then all of a sudden it doesn't mention anything about sin, but it does mention um, Jupiter, or God, deciding that it needed to be hard and that they couldn't just have everything. And that is what ended the, uh, the golden age for them. Yeah, and uh, continuing on with uh, things becoming hard, is, you can look in the later half, the latter half of Genesis is um, the story of Noah's Ark. And the, sto the story of Noah's Ark is really important. It's um, because of uh, humans' misdeeds, God feels the need to start anew. He wants to completely restart everything that was talked about, everything that he created, and start from scratch, which was a watery void. So a, um, you know, a respectable, very important, and kind of the idyllic man, Noah, is creates a uh, pact with Yahweh, as it said in uh, Genesis, to build an ark, take two of each animal, one male, one female, and, uh, you know, take them on board and then recreate a new earth because of the earth that was before was ruined by the misdeeds of humans. Right. You talk about this restarting, Jack, and, and kind of um, starting over. Uh, we kind of see that mirrored in Hesiod's Theogony with the different generations of God and how each time they start over with um, the power structure and who kind of takes the lead. Um, do you think there's some sort of link there or, or why we might think that way? I honestly think that it's almost a microcosm for the circle of life. Things begin, things live, and things die, and that circle continues. And that's, um, that's really interesting to look at in terms of creation stories because so far the world has not ended and there has been no end. But it's really interesting to see um, like the the power go from the titans to the gods and uh, in Genesis, of course, uh, Adam and Eve and, you know, the buildup of society into, into a sinful nature and then God feeling the need to restart through a natural disaster. Right, right. Even how we see this also in Greek times, how they believed that um, or they were told that they get flooded and have to restart their society every couple hundred years and they they had no knowledge of that but that's what happened so we kind of see this this notion of uh, beginning end and cycles going through all these different texts even in lucretius he begins with their creation story with venus everything coming from her but ending with descriptions of plague and yeah, death yeah and when you look at the book of revelations in the new testament which is the final book of the bible the idea of a plague ending humankind is also used the the visual of these painful boils that just uh, destroy humanity and just cripple people who get them. And it's really, really interesting to kind of look at that and see how nature is. And, um, you know, to this day, even disease is still a big fear among uh, humans and think that's how it's going to end. You can look at dozens and dozens of uh, examples of this uh, throughout history, through the bubonic plague, through the bird flu, and uh, through uh, the swine flu, and things like that, 
you can see how how much humans fear death and through plague. Right, right. And it is really, really interesting to be thinking about all these different cycles and how different religions and across thousands of years' time spans come back to similar themes. And I wonder, it would be really interesting to look at this um, type of phenomenon, maybe different religions or different times, but we don't have enough time for that today. No, we do not, sadly, but maybe uh, maybe next time we can talk about that. <laughs> right, right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We're happy to share this knowledge with you. Hopefully, uh, you cont- we've piqued your interest. Yeah, of course. And uh, thank you for, so much for listening again, and uh, have a good one out there. All right, I'm John John. I'm Jack. And thank you.